With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Hi, I'm Sonaina, editor of CXO Life, and I welcome you all to the second edition of our podcast series, Talk CXO Life. This time, we bring to you the colorful explorations of a trained optimist, as this gentleman describes himself. He began his corporate journey as a chartered accountant with a single-minded focus of mastering the art of making wealth. But guess what? He was surprised with the wealth of perspective and knowledge he amassed after an accidental tryst with art decades ago. We are excited to present to you all Financial Wiz Vinayak Bahuguna, CEO and MD Arsil, in conversation with Rohit from Team CX Life. Very few know that Vinayak is also the founder of Artspread.com that discovers hidden artistic talent and provides lesser known and upcoming Indian artists from the remotest parts of the country with a global platform to showcase quality Indian art. So stay plugged and listen to how art transformed the numerical world of a leader who went on to not just revel life through art, but also became a lifelong crusader for keeping among its most ancient forms and lore alive. Happy listening. Hello, Mr. Bhagavan. Welcome to the podcast of CXO Life. How would you introduce yourself as a person? So, um, you know, as a person, uh, I am keen, curious. I'm here to learn. I'm here to explore, uh, you know, strengths that I might possess or I do not know of yet. I want to know more about the world, the people, uh, cultural uh, sort of identities um, and uh, basically have a fuller life in uh, every sense of the world. But besides that, uh, in terms of who I am as a person, it is about uh, living with values, supporting family and friends. That's very, very key and important to me. Finding ways to have fun. Um, I've recently been introduced my, uh, by my daughter to a Japanese concept called Ikigai. Um, it means the reason for being, uh, which uh, you know forces you to re-explore who you are, why are you here, have you done whatever you wanted to do. So I'm uh, kind of exploring those things. So tell us about your childhood. Who influenced you the most? What gave you most joy as a child? I think it would have to be the women in the family. Starting with my mother and my grandmother. I never got to see my father's side of uh, the uh, family. I lost my grandparents very early, but from my mother's side, uh, we would go uh, as we all did perhaps in the day 
the annual summer trips uh, to your granny's place and uh, those were uh, you know enchanting experiences they lived in a huge house with so many rooms that uh, every little nook and corner brought you to some experience um, i remember uh, funnily enough uh, the communal sort of uh, toilets in a sense that uh, uh, one had to use and uh, I'll, i'll tell you a little about it but uh, recently when i was in in turkey and uh, visited this uh, ancient site and we saw these uh, you know these greek toilets uh, communal toilets uh, and it so reminded me of that childhood experience where we'd all be sort of in adjacent rooms with some windows and you'd be chatting all through um and it was these little things which uh, stick in your mind um learning how to cook my grandmother uh, maintained a very strict kitchen nobody was allowed in sometimes as little kids she would make an exception and you know feed you something on the sly next to uh, next to her uh, sort of sacred spot so to speak um, you know those sort of things are are uh, things that uh, you know i i remember from the past and my mother for instilling deep values uh, just the way she led her life uh, both in terms of what she wanted for her children as well as uh, how we ought to be in a larger sort of uh, setting and uh, what we could do for society i think all of that uh, we live frugally but well and uh, learn to value things i suppose that has stayed with me where was this place nani's place uh, dehradun dehradun yeah and you're you the only child or no i was a favorite child i was not the only child um, i have a older brother who's much older and i have a younger sister she's two years younger but uh, because perhaps i came after a long break i was the most spoiled in the family if you would take us through your life's journey uh, what were the most significant turning points of your life with regards to realizing your calling in finance and then interest in other pursuits like other hobbies like art and travel and all those things i think a lot of what we do uh, ends up without too much planning frankly and sometimes you go over the flow so when i was in school um, growing up in a very middle class family uh, one of life's desire was to make money and um, while we were playing book cricket one day with a close friend of mine who is no more unfortunately uh, in a physics class which uh, we never really cared much for or understood um, i asked him the question i said look how does one make money and uh, his prompt response was let's go work for the sheikhs in uh, in uh, in the middle east 
And uh, that stuck a chord and I said, so what do I go and do with the shakes? And he says, well, you have to be a chartered accountant or something and go on and do it. And that is it. Uh, that was my ticket to uh, earning more money at that stage without really thinking through all my strengths or special interests. Um, I did enjoy history a lot and I continue to read it today and find it much more exciting and, and believable and uh, uh, provides me a perspective of things. But back in the day, uh, I realized it wasn't going to make me too much money. I come from a background of civil services, uh, my father and then my brother after that, and many others in the family. Um, and we were always a little short on cash. So uh, I wanted to get out of that somehow. And uh, so it happened quite by accident, actually. So CA was your first turning point as such? Yes, yes. What gives you most joy? I think contentment comes from seeing good things around you. Uh, be it uh, with people and their happiness or uh, feelings of uh, having enjoyed something, whether it's an outdoor experience, a movie or a book. And at the same time, if you get a sense that this is doing some good somewhere, so, um, at work, for example, while all companies have an obligation for CSR, and you can either spend the money or spend the money and do things, what we've chosen to do is spend the money and do things. What I believe Indians are not very good at is perhaps uh, spending time, giving time. So we've started a move within the company where people will be able to take a couple of days off every year and go and work at that charity by rotation. So it doesn't have to be 100 people descending on the place at the same day, but two every day for you know the next 200 days and do something useful and find that connect that what you are doing is actually leading to improvements uh, all around well-being and give you a connect uh, outside your immediate family and your immediate work, uh, that there are other less fortunate uh, people or situations that we need to do something about. What would you describe your passions as? The key passions, the key hobbies that you have beyond work that keeps you invested in life? So, Rohit, uh, I have over the years picked up a lot of passions. Uh, as I was starting, uh, you know, early on it was sport and anything sport related, physical activity and, and the sheer joy of watching things uh, when it came to sporting events. After that, for one reason or another, uh, new things, just reading about things which I knew nothing about or exploring areas that I had never ever experienced before, be it uh, music or art um, or indeed, uh, you know, cultural sort of dimensions. Currently, the few things that are consuming me is 
uh, how can I get a community sort of system going in my uh, native place in Garhwal, Uttarakhand? you know, and I want to start it soon enough, but then there will be a post-retirement activity with me, uh, which is ecologically sound and uh, creates livelihoods and, uh, you know, uh, business opportunities at the same time. So it depends. Um, I, am, I am a person who I believe is really fairly well aware of my surroundings. Early in 2002, I decided and I felt it was appropriate and time for offline selling retailing business. I put together a team, we worked on the concept, internet was still evolving, slow, but we had a, we had a plan because we felt we could provide a very efficient, good service and product. Uh, we gave it up because we couldn't get the funding at the time. And perhaps it was before time. Uh, I wanted to do the same with the uh, cab drivers in Bombay, uh, 2007-2008. Because I was looking and thinking about public transportation, for example, at that time. To say, how can we decongest Bombay? Why does everyone need to own a car? It doesn't happen in Singapore. Life goes well in any case, or Hong Kong for that matter. So those sort of things have been driving me. Uh, travel is something I like. I like exploring. It gives me great insights of cultures, but also uh, reminders of similarities uh, amongst people. So coming to uh, your passion on of arts, so how did you chance upon art? It was again a very pleasant accident. Uh, I was uh, working in RIS, uh, heading the audit team for Standard Chartered Bank. And I used to travel extensively, weeks on time. And uh, because these were uh, fixed, sort of assignment-based uh, travel, I realized I was spending far too much time at work, and it was exhausting me, long hours and intense hours. And uh, once I was in Dhaka, I decided I'll take a break and I asked someone, I said, I just want to spend one hour doing nothing, enjoying the city or, you know, something about the life of people here. And one of my colleagues uh, suggested I go with him to an art gallery. And uh, that was the one formal time that I actually, you know, did that. Uh, visited an art gallery, spent that hour, looked at different things, spoke to the gallery owners, asked questions and I found that experience very pleasant. Uh, so I picked up my first piece of art uh, that I had ever owned in uh, 1998. So you never went to an art gallery before that? No, uh, not that I remember of. I might have, but it wasn't important in the day, so it hasn't stuck to my, uh, to my mind that I had uh, visited. Uh, and growing art. up you had no bent on looking at art or even painting for that matter? Uh, no, regrettably so, because the art teacher school was a very gifted, talented man uh, who actually uh, was a little short when it came to temper and we were not his favorite students because we could do nothing right and it was that one hour and we were just you know looking forward to run away and play sport or game or something. 
but I regret not having used the time, but that's all right. Uh, it's not necessary that you can be proficient and good at everything. But at least uh, by visiting galleries and meeting artists over time, I began, uh, began to appreciate a lot more about expression and what moves people and uh, you know techniques and art styles a lot of the stuff that uh, one is a little more familiar with today I had no clue as I was growing up you remember the first art that you bought yes you yes I do um, it was a landscape of a seascape with a boat out in the distance and a silhouette of a, a fisherman, I suppose. Very gray, uh, darkish uh, sort of thing. But I quite fell in love with it because it, uh, at that time, perhaps it appealed to me because of that uh, loneliness I felt sometimes when I was traveling so extensively and I could begin to empathize with this guy at sea all by himself. So love for travel and art go hand in hand that way and one introduced you to the other in that sense even professional travel as such so after that how after dhaka got to start collecting art how did it all go from there how did it all pan out so uh, this was 98 yes been uh, about two decades now yes yes so one i uh, then made it a point to spend time learning about art so reading a bit about it, visiting exhibitions, museums, and while a lot of that uh, appealed to me visually and aesthetically, I found something missing, and I realized soon enough when uh, you know the, the travel sort of thing exposed me to societies other than my own about humans and interface and how people think and do and that's what when I looked at art started gravitating towards people behind the art so now for example um, I spend a fair amount of time with artists uh, before I buy things uh, even if I like the work because I really need to understand what is driving a man and um, you know his moods or, or her moods for that matter. Um, so in art I found a way to connect with people. That is a very uh, noble way of putting it in that sense. I have not met people who collect art and they also say that they spend time with the artist. Why is it so important? Why this process is so important for you? Because art uh, can be inanimate at times. And uh, it doesn't give you the setting under which it has been created. So in that sense, it may be an incomplete story. Uh, for me, it, is, it becomes a part of me. So with every art that I have, I have a story with it, I have association with the artist, and I have a connect with that art piece. And uh, while we all might have different uh, ideas about art and what we like but if there is a connect something new or something that uh, has uh, given you a 
different perspective. I think I, I like that idea about art. Uh, it's about understanding people and how they express themselves. And, uh, you know, that helps you even in, uh, you know, your everyday ordinary life, be it work or outside work, helping uh, us understand people uh, um, a lot better. Starting from a, a competitive sportsman to a financial wizard to risk analytics and all those things and then developing love for art. How has this transition somewhere aided you in your professional pursuits as well? How has that made you a better person or how, how it has given a, a new dimension to your personality? Yeah, I think it, the, the first and the most obvious thing is that uh, it's made me aware of things outside of me, which means the environment, the people that make it. Um, why is it that some companies do well and others don't do as well? If everyone had a process and a way of doing things, uh, we could all perhaps end up doing the same thing. It's not just that. It's about people at the end of it. Um, so for me, it's the greater awareness of uh, having to understand people well, <clears throat> to know what motivates people so that you can uh, work with that. And then I suppose also to figure out if there are challenges, how to deal with challenges by uh, putting a sort of question or putting a what if or putting a can we do it sort of uh, approach on the table rather than um, we just need to do it. So a lot more thought, um, a lot more organization. I think some of these skills uh, come through when you sort of dealing with subjects like art or travel or uh, you know getting to know people you said when you invest in art you just don't invest in the piece of art you also invest in the story of the artist around which has been some of your favorite stories uh, that you have collected over the years um, there have been quite a few um, but I think uh, the, the, the one I might want to share with you uh, on a recent trip to Vietnam. Uh, since art is a is a subject matter of uh, great fun and enjoyment for me and my family, uh, we went to a few art galleries in uh, Hanoi, and uh, I saw this uh, piece of art, and I found several pieces by the same artists with similar sort of themes, very stark, grays, whites and, and, and blacks. And it was very arresting and mesmerizing and just as a visual imagery. And so I, you know, started talking to the gallery owner and then they put me in touch with the artist on the phone. The English wasn't very good, but the gallery owner explained it to me. Uh, about this person having grown up in North Vietnam during the communist uh, sort of uh, Chinese uh, uh, period and how uh, the regimented lifestyles 
were a matter of concern to some people at least who wanted liberty, freedom, expression, all of that. And this was the artist's way of uh, putting on fabric on, on canvas. Uh, subtle, quiet, nuanced ways of expressing that uh, displeasure, dissent, protest. Uh, and I found that fascinating. Uh, a series of, uh, you know, paintings over a long extended period of time, investing in that social cause of uh, human rights, uh, ability of free expression. I found that fascinating. Was anyone surprised when you disclosed that your, your hobby is collecting art or...? Well, my family was because, uh, you know, having seen me grow up, uh, I, they knew I had no bone in my body which, uh, which resounded art per se. So my brother and sister, for example, they said, wow, where did that come from, you know? Um, but yes, uh, I suppose we all evolve over time and, uh, you know, um, we get uh, into being people we never were and uh, we get to be people we wanted to be. And so some of that over time. What is art to you? Oh, that's what a tough one. What open uh, it in, in you? I believe it shows me possibilities. It shows me differences. It shows me expression and freedom. It shows me discipline and dedication. It shows me creativity. It exposes me to more questions, more answers. I suppose it, it really uh, kind of digs deep and, and, and uh, forces me to think uh, and that can lead to any direction. Uh, so basically it allows you to think more openly and without agendas. As you said again that you invest in stories. So what are some of the most memorable experiences with regards to your encounter with artists across the country? So I'll tell you because it was Quest for Art which took me to the Northeast and uh, I wanted to explore. It's a very underrepresented part of the country but I think a fascinating and a beautiful part of the country with some very, very fine people. So um, I decided uh, I wanted to explore Tanka art, the uh, old Tibetan art form. And I felt, let me go explore and look for it in a part of the country which is not so uh, frequently visited. Uh, so I took a trip with my daughters to Arunachal Pradesh. And it was done in a manner that I always do, that I don't plan in advance. Because I want to go with the flow, uh, with whatever local opportunities present themselves. My wife was very, very uh, apprehensive, but uh, we did go. 
and uh, we had no hotel bookings, no reservations, didn't know where our next meal was going to be, uh, that sort of uncertain. Uh, we didn't know we needed a, a permit for the inner area travel. We found our way eventually, whatever. So uh, we land up in Tawang and uh, I go to the district collector's office and I say, I'm here to uh, find artists who do tankha work. And he says, well, it's, a, it's a, not a dying form, but um, you won't find too many here. There's one person I know of and here is where he lives. And I managed to find uh, this gentleman, a young man, who was, at that time when I visited him, had taken on uh, an apprentice uh, with him. And his dad, he uh, told me, had trained in Lhasa under the masters there and taught the art to him. And he felt uh, if he did not pass it on, uh, that tradition would die. And uh, so I spent time talking to him, uh, inquiring where he gets his inspirations from. And that introduced me to some very interesting Buddhist concepts, which I had not formally had a, a grounding to or an initiation to. The mandalas and, you know, the chakras and how uh, life is, is uh, ordained, yet there is something you have to do. Uh, to make uh, meaning out of it and I found the detail and the precision and the geometry and the symmetry so fascinating while talking to this gentleman and he showed me how he went about his task. Um, so one of the things I like to do is challenge people, not because I know more, it's because I believe everyone can do more. And while he paints on fabric, I said, have you ever tried it on canvas with acrylic paint? And he said, no, I don't know what it is. I said, don't worry, I'll send it to you. So I, when I came back home to Bombay, uh, I actually sent him a whole lot of uh, canvas and acrylic paint and other paints. Um, and, and just a way for me to stay connected with the man, to see how he makes his journey and take more people under him. He wants to set up an academy. Um, we'll have to see how I can support that work going forward. But uh, that one last man standing image is remains etched in my mind. That uh, in this part of the world, if this man was not there, there would be no tanka paintings coming out of Arunachal, or uh, at least that part of Arunachal. So you also decided to take the passion for art and filled it with a business idea around it also. So tell us about that. So uh, uh, I like to connect with people and artists and I realized very early in the day that the ability for artists to showcase their work is quite limited in India. Um, not just because it's easier to organize in large cities but also for the artists to be able to tie up with people who organize in larger cities. And I wanted uh, the diversity, our cultural richness to somehow um, become more seen, more appreciated. 
and I felt a person 100 miles out of Ranchi or in Tawang will never get these opportunities. And I wanted high quality art of artists who are not so well known or are not known at all, but have something to say to give them a platform. So that was the starting point of it. And uh, a related area was the fact that while uh, Indians have a pretty good aesthetic sense of color and richness and um, tradition, and, uh, which, which involves a lot of art, our own homes quite often are quite bereft of art. And those seem to me like very boring things to, uh, to, to uh, not uh, be able to do that in your home. And uh, I try to think about reasons why that was the case, because uh, it's hard living here. Uh, you have uh, responsibilities and you have budgets allocated, and you really don't want to spend in an area where you think um, it's gone, done, dusted. Um, also during the period, there was a bunch of population thinking that art is an investment and what if it doesn't do well, or how liquid is it, or how illiquid it is. And I wanted people to explore art with freedom. So I felt if I gave them a platform where cost was not an issue, so in more affordable formats, uh, including not having to be tied down to uh, something that you own, uh, in terms of a ability to transfer things easily, so that's the concept I try to put in place, and I've started this online gallery called artspread.com. Uh, it's early days, uh, it's slow to pick up, but I think uh, I want to persist and uh, maybe find some funding for it uh, and uh, make art more easily accessible to people who would then willingly bring it home and celebrate life with it. During this journey, of growing up with art and all, what did you discover about yourself? Is there anything that, as you said, you, your family was surprised that you developed a keen interest in art. What surprised you? Uh, I think the most obvious one is I didn't realize how open I was to accepting things. Um, just the ability to appreciate something new and different uh, to be able to see things the way somebody else sees it. Uh, it was, uh, I wouldn't say a wake-up call or something like that, but it was very revealing in that I didn't realize areas of my own personality which were so underdeveloped at that stage. So I think it's uh, helped me understand one thing, that I can do much more, I'm open for much more, I can be tempted, I can get satiated, I can explore, and I can continue exploring. In your family, who else took that uh, passion of arts from you? Uh, luckily for me, both my daughters um, have taken to it, and uh, art for me uh, has taken different forms. I love collecting artworks as in uh, paintings, sculptures, also 
handworks like carpets uh, and things. Um, my older one has a softer uh, style and inclination. Uh, she's uh, exploring beauty. My younger one, who's learning uh, uh, to be an architect, uh, is uh, very free-spirited, and that's the kind of work she's comfortable with. Uh, very early in the day, in spite of all their protestations, I would actually take them to a lot of art shows and exhibitions and museums. And when children are young, pretty much like when I was young, I could, I knew where they were coming from, that they had other interests in life. But I uh, made sure that I exposed them to it. And uh, I think they are beginning to appreciate that a lot more now. Uh, and I think it just gives a little more fullness to life. Now coming to the other passion of your life, travel. Tell us about it. Travel actually, um, the interest started much earlier from school. Uh, we used to take these midterm breaks and go out explore. And uh, outside Dehradun, you have some of the finest sort of uh, options of exploring the Himalayas, for example, and the rivers and the lakes and all of that and the beautiful forests. Um, and then, of course, work-related, uh, one would travel. I think newness of something is obviously very exciting. The architectural uh, beauty of uh, places, the natural sort of impossibilities of certain places, you know. Uh, those are but obvious things. But uh, intervening in all of this is people and how dissimilar or how similar they are and what sort of, why do people work or behave in a certain way in a certain place and not somewhere else. I just find those stories of, uh, you know, sociology or anthropology or whatever you call it quite fascinating. Um, so uh, I travel to experience life. That's why I travel. What have been the most memorable encounters with people during these travels? And, and do you prefer traveling alone or with friends or family? No, I prefer traveling in a group. Uh, I do. Um, there have been several instances of very interesting characters. Uh, I love talking to cabbies, for example, around the world. It totally embarrasses my family. Uh, and they've seen it far too often, uh, not to know what's going to come as soon as I get inside the cab. But I just find it strange and uh, amazing uh, the kind of experiences you can draw from. Um, very well-educated people behind the wheels who seem to know a lot more uh, about different facets of life. Some very poor, uneducated people who just try to make a living for something, someone back home. Uh, they are interesting tales. Um, but one of the most amazing experiences I had was I think at 6 in the morning at Zurich Airport in the business lounge while I was waiting to catch a flight back home, I met this old couple and uh, they came and sat uh, with me. I don't know why there was enough space, uh, but they maybe wanted to chat and uh, 
while pleasantries, uh, pleasantries were exchanged and we introduced ourselves and I said, you know, who are you and why are you here? And then in the space of the next hour, I heard one of the most incredible tales uh, of, of people. Uh, so uh, this gentleman was a Jew uh, who had fled Iran during the Islamic Revolution. And that half an hour was about the experience, just about the time when uh, you know they felt threatened and, and all of that and how overnight they had to pack things in a bag and run and uh, move to uh, America. That's when I learned uh, after the Chinese Iranians make the biggest population in California of expats in the world. I would have never known. Yeah. And uh, that tale, and he was coming back to meet uh, family from other parts of the world uh, in Switzerland, and this whole uh, couple were uh, going home. So those sort of things are fascinating, isn't it? Yes. Apart from travel and art, you love reading books. So some of the most incredible books you have read that have stayed with you since? Um, Rohit, unfortunately for me, while I savour the experience, I somehow have a thing of uh, just moving on. If you were to ask me, as you just did, uh, what what are the, your top picks, I'd find it very hard to sort of put where it is. Uh, it's about at a point in time, something which I might have read very recently that still uh, stick in my uh, memory. But over time, uh, you know, be it fiction, be it uh, you know about history and culture, um, societies. I like reading various things. About mathematics, I read recently some two beautiful books by Simon Singh, uh, which uh, you know took the terror out of the maths and the physics and all those heavy-duty subjects out of me. Um, so yeah, there, there, there are many. Uh, I am I devour everything, and I consume a lot. Uh, I like doing that. In fact, I buy more books than I can read and more books that, than I can store in my house. Uh, but I like doing that. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of new Indian writers who are exploring mythology, history, uh, politics, uh, since the migration issues. I like, uh, I like these migration issue tales actually quite a bit. Uh, of people who feel somewhat lost and displaced at times and how they cope and deal with it and grow. Um. Deep inside every observant reader lies an author. How true is it in your case? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have uh, given that much thought a few years ago. But uh, because of my people interests and some very interesting uh, episodes and encounters, I felt compelled to start writing about uh, travel. And uh, I've been a little lazy about it, so I'm far from done. It might take me another year or so to write it, but I do intend to complete it. 
it's uh, about my encounters and special interests uh, in people uh, that I want to write about uh, during my travels. Uh, the book is going to be called Deep Ends and that came from uh, an experience, very intense experience at 5 in the morning, all dark, tired after a long haul flight in Barcelona in the dockyard where we had booked a hotel uh, on the internet, um, not knowing where we were getting into and we got into this really seedy looking hotel uh, and at that time of the day uh, it was so early and we were so tired in any case that we you know, just sort of accepted it and, and, and moved on. But uh, the encounter was with this receptionist, a Nigerian, uh, who had come looking for opportunities in Europe. And I tried asking him the next morning about what I could be doing in Barcelona. So his responses to questions I posed were very interesting. And, uh, you know, you can call deep ends as, as situations you might find that you've uh, got stuck at and with. But it was about how he would answer in his very heavy tone and accent. And I would say, how far would this be from here? And he would say, deep ends. <laughs> you know? And I'd say, do you think uh, I could get a good meal here? What sort of meal would it be? And he would say, deep ends. And then he'd go on in some ramble somewhere. I just found that little exchange uh, at the reception counter very hilarious. And uh, this man had a hobby of collecting remotes. And I said, why do you have... He had in his desk, uh, under the desk, some thousand remotes. I just found, uh, I just found these little sort of uh, episodes quite entertaining, if nothing else. So it depends and not depends. Yes, it actually depends. What do you consider your biggest achievement uh, till date in life? I think my biggest achievement is yet to come. Because frankly, uh, when you look at a professional career, uh, you will always find some things to talk about uh, more positively in terms of what you've done. What I have managed is a better realization of who I am. What do I really care about? over the years, uh, what things are dear to me, that I have a much better understanding of. Uh, in terms of achievement, I would say that maybe because of uh, the very hard work that I did in the training part of doing my chartered accountancy, I have always relished the idea of challenging jobs. Uh, jobs which others perhaps might not have been too excited. <clears throat> While there's been some uh, uh, good achievements, but is there something that uh, stands out at this stage? Uh, I would say the best is yet to come. So, is, does this feeling of uh, <clears throat> taking challenging assignments emanate out of the roots? I wouldn't necessarily put it to a small town uh, upbringing. I think it if at all, I would say it draws from sport and the competitiveness of sport. 
And uh, while I was much younger in school and college, I was very heavily involved in sport. <clears throat> and like many sportsmen, you don't feel like coming second. Uh, so the objective, the approach is always to say, how can I push myself to do better and better? And that is what guided me. Um, it was about pushing myself into areas whether or not I was comfortable with that was, was only secondary. I, I just wanted to, uh, to try. What is the name of the school? I went to Doon School in Dehradun, a boarding school. And uh, while academics were important, uh, one of my schoolmates very early in the day told me that uh, we don't produce scholars, we make gentlemen. Now, much of that has changed because academics obviously is taking center stage and, and rightly so as well. But a mix of sport, uh, extracurricular activities, we had a very good concept of sending kids out on their own at a very young age to go explore trekking, uh, river rafting, um, all sort of adventurous things, middle of the term. So it gave a good break and uh, the senior classes which were 10th onwards would go out on these trips. So sometimes you were at your wit's end. What if there's an accident amongst a group of kids? How do you handle it? Or some other calamity. Uh, we went trekking once uh, towards uh, Nanda Devi, and there was a huge storm which blew out our tents and everything. We didn't have a place to stay, basically. It was a biting cold. Uh, but, uh, you know, you had to fend for yourself and uh, we found an old uh, dilapidated shack which happened to be uh, the potato farm granary and we spent the night there. <clears throat> Next morning we woke up, uh, you won't believe it, we were in about two feet of uh, sheep, cow, buffalo dung. We had not even realized it where we were sleeping because <laughs> Uh, so it was. Uh, we ended up going on another track where uh, some people just marched on ahead and this was late at night. You know, the night descends very quickly in the hills. And we were maybe 13 or 14 then at about eight, 9,000 feet, going up to 10,000 feet in absolute darkness in a jungle without knowing where the path was going to take us frightening and you know, full of uh, wild animals. Luckily, uh, you know, it, it went without a mishap. Uh, uh, such experiences uh, teach you a lot and uh, make you a lot more confident. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rohit. Thank you. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wow, that's pretty cool. But those glasses kind of make you look like your Uncle Bob. Oh, not exactly the look I was going for. 
Um, okay. How about these clear glasses? Oh, or these round ones? Very on trend. I like both on you. You know, I also like these aviator sunglasses. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenni.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95.